for SEN America. This is the SEN NBA podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another massive edition of the SEN NBA podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sakari, and we're going to come to you with a bit of a different podcast today. We're going to touch base with all of the members of SEN America and of the SEN NBA podcast, and we're going to get their early take on the NBA season, what they like, what they haven't liked from the first few weeks, and we'll kick things off heading over to the States with Christos Tyler. Hello, and welcome back to the SEN NBA podcast, where we're going to jump into our first chat on this on this, on this this episode, and we're going to head off to the States, as we always do on the SCN NBA podcast. Of course, someone who the audience is very familiar with is Chris Tyler from SCN America. He's on the line from Brooklyn. Chris, how are you? What's going on, buddy? Not much, not much. Just, I'm sure you're just indulging in some more basketball down there in the States as you're Enjoy. Have you been to any games yet? That's what I was going to ask you first. Have you been able to make it to any games yet this season or just not at this stage? Zero. Zero. Zero games so far this Well, then what year. are you doing oh, there? I'll make it down eventually. <laughs> um, well, I, I watch them on TV, Luke. Well, that... Celtics haven't come very often. I've got school work to do during the week. And I've been to an Arsenal game. I went to an Arsenal game about uh, two weekends ago. Oh, beautiful. But other than that, it's just strictly been watching it on TV. I'm going to go to the Celtics Hornets game, which will be in Charlotte, uh, December 27th, I think the date is, because I'm going to okay. be in North Carolina for Christmas and New Year's, so I'm going to that game, which would be fantastic, because I've never been to that arena before. Well, that... Yeah, like I said, it, I haven't been to it because it's so expensive. I mean, really? York, man, you've got to remember this. I, I get discounted tickets for the Knicks. And it's still forty five bucks. The Olympics are actually looking okay at the but, moment, so it might be worth it. But at the start of the year, forty five dollars is too expensive. Even to see the the, the Nets, it's about forty bucks. So really? For the, Nets, for the Nets, for the Nets, because usually NBA NBA tickets um, alternate depending on how the team's playing. And if they're going poor, you usually get them cheap. But even the Nets are a bit more expensive, are they? It's MSG, mate. That, that's MSG. No, the Nets going to be expensive at, at Barclays. The Nets. Yeah, it's Barclays as well. It's still like a big market. You're still yeah. in, you're still in a big market. You're still getting a lot of people going to the games. That might be a bit cheaper than forty, but you know. Oh well. Oh well. Anyway, I'm, I, I'm, seriously, I'm just happy to watch it at home. To be honest, I, at least the timing worked out nicely for Christmas and New Year's with the Celtics being in in North Carolina. That, that's just a nice little schedule quirk Definitely. there that works to your benefit. All right, we'll get stuck right into it. So we we'll just touch on. We'll start on the positive first. So. We're just going to look at the few things that you've liked so far this season. Then we're going to look at a few that you haven't liked um, so far. We'll start on the positive spectrum of things. Just tell us some of the things you've liked so far this season, Christos. We're about, oh, what are we? We're about three weeks in, four weeks in. That's it. Well, number one, wouldn't surprise you or any of the listeners that uh, know of my allegiances, and it's the uh, the Celtics. The yep. Celtics, and specifically Brad Stevens, and how good. Uh, Brad Stevens is as a coach. I've been saying for the last week or so that he might have officially just eclipsed Greg Popovich as the best coach in the NBA, and I legitimately believe that. And at the moment, they're on an eight-game win streak, lost the first two games of the season after Hayward went down with that season-ending injury, won the last eight, including a good win against OKC on Friday and the Spurs last Monday, and you know the world beaters in the Orlando Magic tonight. So. <laughs> Look, we're playing fantastic basketball, and a lot of it comes down to the defensive side of the floor yeah. rather than offensively. All of these guys seem to be buying in on the defensive end. They're playing hard. They're playing with heart, and they all just know what to do. They, this is a squad that seems like they've been playing together for a long, long time, which is fantastic to see. Even the younger guys don't look like rookies. If you have a look at Jason Tatum play, he doesn't play like a rookie. He plays with poise. He knows where to be at what time. He's a very high IQ guy, and I think that was the big 
point for the Celtics in the offseason is to get high IQ guys, guys who know how to play and want to play hard night after night. And that's why they've been managed. That's why they've managed to have an eight-game win streak so far. Now we've got a back-to-back. Uh, at the moment, so the Orlando Magic game was game one, and then we play Atlanta tomorrow. That's going to be a big test because, like I said, we don't really rely on our offense. We rely on our defense. We rely on uh, how much we run and how physical we are and how tough we are. They might be a bit tired in the second half of a back-to-back. It's sort of interesting to see how we go. But away from that, I've just loved the way that even playing teams like the Kings or the Magic games that we probably would have dropped last year, we're still getting ourselves up from it. And again, it comes back to the defensive side of the floor. We're getting guys like Kyrie Irving to play good defense. You're a mm. Cleveland fan, Luke, so you know that it's hard Kyrie to do. Irving is not known <laughs> for his defensive efforts, but Brad Stevens has gotten him to do that. He keeps saying after every game in the, in the, in the post-game press conferences, he keeps mentioning that he's buying into Brad Stevens' system. Brad just knows what to do. He gets these guys to buy in, and everyone loves playing for him. And that's been the biggest difference for the Celtics so far this year because after Hayward went down and after they went down 0-2, a lot of people, kind of including myself, wrote them off. I, mm. I said that they'd probably still finish about fifth. I didn't think that they'd completely bomb out, but I didn't think they'd make the top four. Yeah. At this stage, you'd think that they're still locks. I don't know. I still don't think they're going to win the East or anything like that, but they're looking fantastic. Well, you're almost still a chance to win the East. Well, the Cavs have got their struggles. I mean, I'm sure they'll sort it out, but we know they're prone to just inconsistencies in the regular season. Before we move on to your next point, just wanted to quickly come back to Brad Stevens. You said they're the best coach in the league right now, better than Greg Popovich. Why? Is it it because he's getting to buy? You know, the defensive end, guys like Kyrie, like you mentioned, is it the fact that you're winning games that, like you said, you probably would have lost last year or you would have played down to your opposition against teams like the Kings and whatnot? Is that the reason behind it, or is it just the way he's making this team gel and blend when you lost one of your key pieces right on the, the tip of the season, basically? Yeah, it's a bit of everything. It just makes his teams overachieve. Yeah. You have a look at all the teams that he's had so far in his tenure in the NBA, and he's exceeded the expectations they had coming into the season, and it's similar to this team. We only had four returning players from last year's roster, including one starter. Yeah. And he's still gotten this team to an 8-2 record. It's the longest win streak in his era. It's the first time that the Celtics have owned sole possession of the best record in the NBA since 2009. Every single player on this team is just fun to watch. Everyone has brought in. We saw... Brad Stevens mentioned at the start of the uh, season that he's kind of thrown out all the traditional basketball uh, positions. He doesn't have mm. you know, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. He just has ball handlers, wings, and bigs, and that's all he really plays with. And we've seen that, that versatility pay off. Guys like Simi Ojale, the rookie out yeah. of SMU, come in and be able to defend four different positions and look like a pro doing it. He's defending guys like Giannis. He's defending... All of these superstar caliber players, LeBron, he defended as well, and he's doing a great job on them. His lateral quickness is fantastic. And the fact that Brad Stevens can just get them to play such a fantastic and exciting brand of basketball that's so um, entrenched in defensive pressure is just fantastic to watch. And I really think that if you combine that along with his X's and O's, obviously he's got one of the best X's and O's coach in the league, but so is Popovich, so you can't really Mm. um, split them that way. But... Everyone just seems to want to play for this guy. Yeah. Everyone seems to want to play for Brad Stevens, and I think that's the biggest reason why I'd, I'd go so far as to say he's the best coach in the NBA. All right, we'll move on. Your next two things that you've liked so far this season, Christos? 
Number two is the rookie class. Mm, so we yes. had a podcast, Luke, uh, before and after the draft the because I'm a preview and reviews. Yes. Fan, as, yeah. Anyone who knows me will know. Yes. And coming into the season, this draft class was highly touted, especially with Ben Simmons having last year off, so he's yep. still classified as a rookie. But even guys who were drafted this year, a lot of them were highly touted. And what is it? A couple of games, a couple of weeks into the season, nine or ten games into the season. And there are a lot of very, very good rookie players. And obviously, Simmons is number one. He's pretty much all but locked up the Rookie of the Year <laughs> award, you'd say, unless something dramatic happens. And, and an all-star berth. I hope it doesn't. Especially. And it, well, yeah, it, essentially. like He's kind of a smoky for an All-NBA honors as well. Yeah. Like, he could... He's, he's leading all rookies in not only points, but rebounds and assists as well. He's a point guard. He's running the point for Philadelphia and making them a fun team to watch and making them a good team. He's actually getting wins mm. on a team that hasn't won and hasn't been used to winning for a very, very long time. He's averaging 18 points a game, just about 10 rebounds a game, just over eight assists per game. He's had two triple-doubles already. In nine games, this kid has had two triple-doubles. That ties... The least amount of games to make yeah. your second career triple double with Oscar Robertson. I think I'm pretty sure Jordan like I yeah. think 58 games and LeBron 120 games before yeah, they got their second yeah. triple double. Correct, unbelievable. And your last point, Chris? And the last one was the schedule. I, I just the love schedule. To have the schedule. The games are a lot more spread out this year, and I think that's fantastic because we are seeing a lot less back to backs. There's no four games in five days at all. Yeah. Uh, the five games in seven nights is reduced to 1.3 per team, down from last year's 3.0 per team. And as I said before, the back-to-backs, it was 14.9 per team last season. Uh, it is 14.9 per team this season, down from 16.3 per team last season. So obviously the season is longer, which is fantastic because there's more days of basketball, and it means that these guys are a lot more rested, so we're seeing better basketball as well, which is fantastic. Absolutely. All right, we'll move on to the negative side of things, Chris. So it's just three things you haven't liked so far in the season. So what's number one? I mean, I don't know if you've you've ranked them that you've like disliked this the most and then down from there, but what what's something that you've looked at you've just said, nah, no good? One, this is kind of carrying over from previous years, but it's the unwritten rules of basketball, and I've the, got two okay. examples okay. for you. Okay, here we go. I like this where this is going. One... I don't. I, I spoke to uh, Mikey about this on another podcast that we did together. I don't know if I've spoken to you about it, mm-hmm. but it's the uh, when everyone got on Jordan Bell for that um, Showtime yeah, dunk. The South Alley uh, last week. Yeah, it was in you know, a garbage yeah, garbage time. Was it garbage time? Like five minutes yeah. ago, the Warriors yeah. were up by a lot. Yeah. Threw it off the backboard. Ended up dunking, and everyone was cheering. And then mm-hmm. you got a, a subsection of. You know, NBA Twitter and NBA fans, including Mike, saying that you know it was disrespectful and he shouldn't have done that night sort of stuff. I think that's complete bullshit. I think that <laughs> this is a kid who doesn't get many minutes at all. The game is still going on. There's still plenty of time left. If he can do something like that and finish it, good for him. And you, Don't get upset because you can't play defense. It was against Dallas, wasn't it? Because I think it was Rick Carlisle that was pissed off after the game. Okay, well, if, if it was against Dallas, if you're Rick Carlisle, if you're any coach in that situation, instead of worrying about what the other team's doing with five minutes left, you'd figure out your own backyard first, wouldn't you? And say, well, hang on. Exactly. Why Why are we at the stage where they can do these things? I don't well, What's the big deal? I mean, it's entertainment. Yeah. The fans love it. Everyone loves it. Y'all, I don't know. Is that just, and, and what, is that just us what, being too precious? What's supposed to do? Correct. What's, what's, what's talking about supposed to do, right? So this is, this is a kid who's playing on the Golden State Warriors, a team with 
Seth Curry, with Clay Thompson, with Kevin Durant, with Draymond Green. All these guys are getting the spotlight, and he finally gets his chance. He's getting like nine minutes a game, man. When yeah. he's in, he should be able to make it as fun as he possibly can because all of his teammates are getting a limelight. Mm-hmm. Now it's his turn to come in. I would have had a bit of a problem with it if it was junk time and they were up by 30 and someone like Steph Curry or... Uh, Kevin Durant was doing. Oh, that. hang on, hang on, hang on. I'll and just pull you up. Is rubbing it in. Hang on, hang on. I, I, I don't. You can't. You can't have your cake and eat it too. If it's like, I understand what you're saying, but but if you, if it's okay for but one, but if it's okay, saying, if it's okay for one person to do it, well then the whole team surely is then entitled to do so as well. I understand. No, I, I, look, I, I think they could all do it, but I'm saying I can see people's. Uh, I can see if people would be upset if it was those guys because mm. they're the ones that created the league and they're rubbing it in themselves. I, I still wouldn't have a problem with it, but I could see okay. yep. if people yep. did. Yep. But I can't see how people can get upset with a rookie who's played nine games, who's, who's played, who's played nine minutes a game, just wanting to mm. spice up junk time a little bit. Yeah. Like I said, like you said with Rick Carlisle, if you don't want players to do that against your team. Don't be down by that much yeah. early on in the fourth quarter. Play yeah. better basketball. Absolutely. And the second one is well in the unwritten rules. I saw oh, yes. this uh, tonight, and it goes on pretty much every game. And that's the shot clock situation. You know, when a team's up by you know ten points or whatever, there's you know ten seconds left on the game clock, but five seconds left on the shot clock, and the team that's up just dribbles it down because they want to be good sports, and they turn yeah. it over, and game goes for an extra yeah. 10, fifteen seconds, <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Play until the end of the game. Just take up a shot. You're not being rude if you're just playing the game. Yeah. You're not, you're, you're hey, not, uh, you're not yeah. showing anyone up. You're not doing anything like that. You're just playing to the rules yeah. rather than extending the game for an extra 15 seconds. That I'm makes sure sense. The team on the other side that you're playing just wants to get off the court. Don't extend it. It's just that just frustrates the hell out of me. Nah, I can I, I can see your point there. I mean, I understand. Why it's done? I mean, it's been it's like you said; it's almost an unwritten rule. It's been happening forever, so teams just do it. But I mean, when you think about it in context, well, why not? Why not take that shot? Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. You, you have a couple of points, Chris, that you haven't really liked so far about this campaign. Number two is the Milwaukee Bucks' recent struggles, yeah. including pretty much Kristaps uh, Porzingis kind of stealing <laughs> Giannis's MVP thunder at the moment. KP <laughs> looks amazing, and obviously in the first week or so, Giannis was all the rage, and now KP, especially in New York, is stealing a lot of his thunder. But if you have a look early on in the season, Bucks started 3-1. They've now lost four of their last five, and in those games, Giannis has only cracked 30 points once, yeah. exceeded 50% from the field twice. Mm. And now... To make matters worse, Luke, yes. he only leads his team in four out of the five major categories. Last <laughs> that's year, a, he led them in five. That's not good for and his MVP John campaign. Got him in blocks, exactly. And John Henson's now got him in blocks, one point six over one point four. So he's not seeming as dominant as he was in the early days, which I prided myself on because I said <laughs> on this podcast at the start of the season that Giannis was not only my MVP candidate but my uh, most improved candidate as well. So. And now 11th in the East, four and five record. Hopefully they can bounce back. Hopefully Giannis can find the form of the. He's still he's still playing fantastic basketball. He's still averaging 30 points a game or something like that. But it's not as good and as exciting as it was in the opening week and a half or anything like that. Yeah, and your your last point. So my last point was going to be the LeBron haters, seeing as Ooh. LeBron's 57-point performance the other night saw him become the youngest player mm. ever, as you well truly know, yes. to reach the 29,000-point mark. But I'm much more vain than that, so I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about something that influences me more directly. Yep. 
And that's my fantasy basketball team injuries. <laughs> so my fantasy basketball team has been riddled uh, with big-time injuries. Firstly, the number three guy that I drafted, and the guy I drafted in the third round, Gordon Hayward. Ooh. Five minutes of the season, yeah. it's done. Would right? have been a lot of people in the, the same season. boat. Exactly. And not only that, I uh, I didn't draft Jalen Brown because I thought that Gordon Hayward was mm. going to take a lot of his points and his minutes. And then if, you know... Not only it's a double. It's a double whammy there. Gordon Hayward going down. Yeah, exactly. It's a double whammy. Not only that, second rounder. I picked up Hassan Whiteside. He's mm. missed five games so far. In the mm. other games has been dominant, but he's missed five games so far. Yeah. Larry Nance Jr. I've got yeah. as well. He's currently injured. Chandler Parsons is currently injured. Rodney Hood missed a couple of games. <laughs> the squad's so depleted. Players. They depleted. Players. If Steph. Exactly. If Steph Curry goes down, I'm stuffed and I'm giving up. That's <laughs> I, I give up. Well, let's knock on wood and cross our fingers and toes that that doesn't happen. Not only for Golden State's state and Steph's state, but for your for the state of your fantasy basketball team, yeah. Christos. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Before we let you go, where can we find you on Twitter and, and all your work and all that type of thing? You can find me on Twitter at Christos Tyler and. Uh, I do some writing for not only the SCN America website, but also Hashtag Basketball as well. So if you check out HashtagBasketball.com, uh, you can find all my articles there, including the article that I wrote explaining exactly why Brad Stevens has officially taken over Greg Popovich as the best coach in the NBA. Well, there you go. You've heard him speak about it. Now you can read all about it on Hashtag Basketball. Chris, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Lucky. Welcome back to the SCN NBA podcast. From Brooklyn, we're coming back home, back into Melbourne, and we're going to catch up with Mikey Falasaris. Not in the studio today, Mikey. Couldn't make it down, but that's okay because we still got him over the phone to chat about all of his likes and dislikes in the early part of the NBA season. Mikey, how are you? Yeah, good. Uh, good. Thanks for having me on, as always. You were always. about to call me Chris. Bit... I was. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit pushed for time for today, but yep. no, I've still done all my homework and I'm excited to get this podcast started. Beautiful. All right, we're gonna, I started off on the positive with Chris, but I know you're a bit of a, a, a an antagonist, Mikey, so I'm going to start with the negatives. <laughs> we're going to look at, I know you always like to take the glass half empty approach. So what, oh, what, come on, <laughs> you're throwing me under the bus here. What haven't you liked? Let, let, let's start over here. What have not you liked? What? I'll start it again. What haven't you liked about the NBA season thus far? Well, let me start it off with... We'll go point by point. Yeah, let's start off with the Cleveland Cavaliers and Mm. more importantly, how they're playing. Mm. Specifically, how Tyron Lue has been coaching them. Yeah. All right, let's start it off with their losses. They've lost to the Magic, the Nets, the Pelicans, the Knicks, the Indiana Pacers and the Atlanta Hawks. All of those teams coming into the season we weren't expecting to make the playoffs, and nor really should should they. Some have been playing better than expected, but still, the Cavaliers should not be losing to these teams. They've been letting these teams just shoot lights out yeah. from the three-point yeah. line. Yeah, the defense, is, just, the defense is a massive issue. I mean, there's no doubt that it's not only that they're shooting lights out from the three-point line, but it's just the ease in which they're doing it. There's no... There's no defensive communication. They're leaving players open. It's why you see your, your, your average role players have big nights against Cleveland. You know, a lot of I know a lot of Cavs fans say, "Oh, you know, it's just rubbish that all these not so good basketball players play good against us." But I'm like, if it if it's a, if it continues to happen on every team, there's obviously a reason behind it. Cleveland got to look at it. And for mine, it's the defense and the transition defense as well, Mike. You know, they just don't run back, and it just creates. Nice. 
easy, fast break points. Exactly. And look, we're in the NBA here, and people, everyone can play in the NBA, and Correct. a lot of these players can shoot. And if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna d them up, or if you're gonna be lazy getting out to the three point line, they're gonna knock them down. And that's what these teams have been doing, and that's why these Cavs have been losing. They're not only just been losing; they've been losing double digits. It's yeah. quite, it's quite remarkable. But even on that point, Ty Lue's been playing LeBron, I think, too many minutes in the season. He's already averaging a league best. 37 and a half minutes. This is year 15, LeBron. And we all know LeBron's in a different stratosphere to every other player in the NBA. And he spends a a ton of money on his body each year and he keeps in great nick. But you don't want to be playing your 15-year veteran 37 minutes (laughs) a night. I understand that. games into the season. I understand that point. And it seems to be a conversation we have every year, Mikey. It's like, is LeBron playing too much minutes? He needs to be limited, blah, blah, blah. But... The way I look at that is, is I don't think Ty Lue controls LeBron's minutes. I think LeBron controls LeBron's minutes. And no one knows and understands his body and the way it works like LeBron. He said it before in the past. He said, you know, if he were to, to, to rest a lot more games and play less minutes, it actually affects him negatively come playoff time because he's not in his, the, you know, his, his, his rhythm of his body and of his, of his exercise and of his game. So I, while I, it probably looks bad on paper, He's playing 37 minutes a night, but the way I look at it is, that's him. He 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 can sub himself on and off whenever he likes on that team. So if he knows, no one knows his body better than he does. So I'm comfortable in the fact that he can control when and when he doesn't play and how long he plays for. He knows it's in his best interests, and we know if he wants to take a day off, he will. So I'm a bit less negative on that side of things. I understand what you're saying, and it probably has got some merit. But I just reckon he's controlling himself mm. and he's, he's doing it with the long term in mind. Well, look, this is still on the. I'm still on my first dislike for the next <laughs> season. Look. It's just all about. Uh, this is all about Tyloo. And that's one of my pet peeves with Tyloo is that he doesn't. I guess LeBron is in a different category to a lot of the other NBA players. Mm. But that's one of my pet peeves that he just doesn't have control over his own team. Yeah. I mean, he's used six different starting lineups and they've only been 10 games in. Yeah. LeBron's been leading their scoring in all but two of the games. Yeah. I mean, they're the third worst in points per game with 113. And J.R. Smith is mm. shooting 20% from three-point line. I mean, then the way they're going, and I know we're early, but we're one-tenth in. Yep. That's a nice way. It's a nice season. way looking at it to make it a bit less, make it look like it's a bit less early, just putting right. it into I, a fraction. I think, <laughs> there's, I think there's a little bit of issues. And when, as you stated, when... When it's the defensive end, it's going to be hard to correct, and yeah. they need to correct it soon because they've played a really, they've got an easy schedule through November as well. So hopefully they can get it together. But with a four and six record against easy teams, uh, it's not looking, There's, it's not looking great. Look, no, no, it's not way. looking great. That's absolutely correct. All right, we'll move on, Mikey. Your second dislike of the season thus far? Well, it's a bit of a, a lighter topic, but it's the Nike jersey yeah. dripping. <laughs> We've spoken so, about mean, this. Let's. I'll give you a bit of a countdown. October 1st, Tyler Ennis rips his jersey. <laughs> then LeBron James in the season opener. Nike puts out a statement. They're investigating the jersey. Yeah. Draymond Green rips his jersey in a scuffle with Bradley Beal. <laughs> November 3rd, Ben Simmons' jersey rips in half after a target by Lance Stevenson. And then even today, yeah. Kevin Love rips his jersey in frustration while sitting on the bench. I think that's found out he was about to uh, miss the entire uh, rest of the game due to an illness or whatever it was. He yeah. was injured. 
and he was frustrated that they were getting uh, blown out by the Hawks at that stage of the game, and he just tugged on it, and it, and it ripped apart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've spoken about this. fantastic, but it's looking pretty bad for Nike. Yeah, and we've, <laughs> we've spoken about this. And look, the, the apparel and the fan gear, it all looks great, like you said, but you can't, it's a bad look when, you know, these Jews, that, that were hyped. They had big releases over the off-season, you know, they had... Players modelling it and posing it. It was there was some hype, whether they want to believe it or not, and it might sound a bit silly because they are just jerseys at the end of the day. But there was hype around these. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt about it, and um, they, they failed to deliver on the big stage. I think it's safe to say you can't have. It's a bad look, and like that Ben Simmons one, especially, it barely got ripped. It was a soft yeah. tug, and the yeah. entire jersey fell off. It just yeah. the whole thing just just dismantled in a way. It was absolutely crazy. All right, we'll move on. Your final dislike before we move on to the positives, Mikey. Oh, we'll keep it uh, cavalier oh. themed at the moment, and LeBron's comments. Now, I think you know and everyone else knows who listens to this podcast, and I'm a massive LeBron James fan, one of my favourite players of all time. I think he's the greatest player of all time. But just his comments on October 24, um, prior to the game against the Indiana Pacers, this is a quote. This was probably the worst training camp for me in my career because of the injury, James (laughs) told reporters. All right? And then another comment, LeBron, November 3rd, after the Wizards, I might be the youngest, but I don't feel young, even though this is the best I've felt in my career right now. That's a span of 10 days, Luke. Oh, the, I'm confused. It's does confu- he feel good or does he feel bad? <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, uh, to me, if he's scoring 57 points and becoming the youngest ever player to whatever amount of points it was, I think he's feeling pretty good about himself. <laughs> but my, what I'm... what annoys me or what this what I dislike about it is the excuses after losses. I don't know I if it was even before a loss, but they were I think it's three and three or three and four at this stage before the Indiana Pacers. I'm not quite sure. Just the excuses. I, I don't think there's much I'm not sure nothing to do with his training camp. It's just the team and the defense. I, I don't know if I'm not sure if you saw his quotes after the loss today against Atlanta but he flat out said, he said our effort wasn't good enough. We had a bad effort. You know, I, I don't think it's an excuse. I think that's just LeBron playing, I don't know if it's mind games or whatever he does. But he said it after today's loss. He said straight out, he said our effort wasn't good. He said, he said we didn't perform. So um, I don't know if it's an if it's an excuse-based reason. But I know what you're saying. I mean, I did see a few jokes on the internet about the, the fact that people are saying, well, hang on. He said he had a poor training camp. They were saying he's in the best shape of his career. But again, a lot of those comments are straight after the game. So it's heat of the moment stuff. Yeah, if you score 57 points, you're going to naturally just feel great about yourself and maybe say something like that. So I know what you're saying, but uh, it's LeBron. And he's always had an an interest. He's never been shy to speak to the media, but he's always been interesting in terms of what he says. There's always a reason for mine behind what he's saying. He's, He's very savvy and smart in the way he delivers messages in the media. There's always something behind it. So maybe he said saying he's the best shape in his career. Maybe he was trying to install some confidence in the group, saying, hey, I'm okay. Who who knows what it was? But I can understand the confusion there on your part, Mikey, and why you don't like it. We'll move on to the positive spectrum. What have you liked? What have you liked so far this season? I think maybe you've already spoken to Chris, and it's probably he's probably said the same thing, but I think... I really like Brad Stevens and, yeah. and the Boston Celtics. He spoke a lot about he wrote he spoke a lot about Brad Stevens. He actually said that he's better than Greg Popovich. He reckons he's the best coach in the competition at this stage. Well, oh, okay, I put Brad Stevens as in the top three 
yep. coaches in the NBA right now. You, okay. They have the best record in the league and the best defense in the league. They're only letting just under 94 points yep. a game. Yeah. I mean, it's quite... It's unreal. When At- you've lost your star signing small forward five minutes into the into the season, you lose those first two games. You lose a little bit of hope and maybe some confidence. But you yep. turn it around and you put on an eight-game winning streak. And now you're sitting at eight and two with the best league, uh, the best record in the yeah. league. It's quite remarkable. And Kyrie Irving's not really playing like mm. we've seen him play, like he played on the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is what he talked about prior to the season. He wanted to play in a team system. Yeah, and it's working. All around, it's working. It's working. Yeah, absolutely. And you know. And Chris, I spoke about that. He just said, you know, it's amazing. He's gotten him to play defense as well. He's gotten him to buy in on the defensive end, which is hard to do for Kyrie historically. Mm-hmm. So he's making him click on all cylinders. All right, Mike, we'll move on to the other two points. What else? I've well, got to... Before we move on, before okay. we just move on, I'll just end it. Brad Steven, Steven, sorry, yes. trusts his second unit to either extend a league or hold a unit, much like Steve Kerr and the Warriors. And it makes for happy players and happy teams, and it's a winning culture of basketball. It is, it is. Your second point? Well, it's pretty much moving forward on from that point. Team's attitude and playing happy. Pacers, okay. Sixers, Pistons and Magic. These oh. teams aren't really relying on one or two stars. They're doing it, you know, full team effort, Luke. Yeah. I guess a lot of teams, a lot of fans, punters, experts, whatever you want to call them, expected these teams to do absolutely nothing. So the, the pressure's off, so to speak. If there is, you know, there's always pressure on NBA players and NBA teams to do it. And they're just relishing. Yeah. They look genuinely happy. They have winning records at the moment. We've recorded this. Yes. Free-flowing basketball. It's good to watch. And and best of all, translate to winning basketball. I mean, there's not much more you can ask about. And it's always great to see. Now, whether they just... They're just early season outliers and whether they'll, they'll hit a rough patch at some stage in the of campaign. Course. But it's just great to see because it's kind of like... It, <laughs> It gives you a little bit of hope. You know, it just breeds optimism and hope into the fan base that, hey, look, yeah, we're not the most talented group of basketballs, but if we if we stick to our team structures, if we enjoy playing, if there's no negativity within the unit, well, then results happen, you know, and upsets happen, and that's great to see. And it's it's also fun to watch, Mikey. I mean, when you can, you can a lot of time you can just sense the happiness and the fun coming. It almost reverberates through the television. I'm not sure if that makes sense in the way I'm saying it, but... You look at it and you can almost tell, like, this team's enjoying the game. They're enjoying each other's company and it's resulting in winning basketball. So, no, I agree. And, you know, there's a lot of teams at the moment, like you, you rattled them all off then, that have got winning records that we didn't really expect them to have at this stage of the season. We'll move and, on. And, got well, one just, more. Yep. Before, we, before we move on yep. again, I'm sorry to come No, on, you're okay. Uh, again. But the NBA is historically a star-driven league, but these teams are playing team basketball and it's, it's what you want to see. You yeah. want to see the ball moving. You want to see open shots fall down. You want to see teams run their sets the way they're supposed to be run. Instead of, I'll oh, put it back to on a Cleveland Cavaliers where it's a stop and watch <laughs> and see what LeBron does. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is. We'll move on your final point, Mikey. Young Kings taking over the league. Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Let's chat about Porzingis. I mean, Let's chat about Porzingis because yeah. the last couple of weeks, he's been on fire. As of late, on fire. Uh, quite remark. These are the two players. They're both 22 years of old. These are the two bona fide superstars of the league. These will be the faces of the league in years to come when, when your LeBron James slows down, whenever that may be. It might be five years from now. 
your, your Kevin Durant's getting a little bit older. These players are going to be, they're going to be those bona fide superstars. They're going to be, and I think it's hard to say, but even a little bit of a better rung ahead of those James Harden, your Paul George, you come, they're going to be that good. Yeah. You're doing it now at 22 years of age. I'll yeah. rattle you off some stats. We all love stats. Yes. Giannis, 31 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, almost two steals a game and one and a half blocks. Pazingas, 30 points, eight rebounds, and two blocks per game. That's unreal. That is unreal. And it, it, <laughs> and, it, it also points... And he plays for the Knicks, and they're doing well. <laughs> hey, great. they're going all right, the Knicks. It also points to the way basketball, the modern basketball game's trending. You know, those, you call them unicorns, that unicorn-type yeah. player where it's such... Yeah a rare blend and unique innate blend of just size and height and strength and mm. skill and it's length. It's so hard to defend and we're seeing that absolutely on a nightly basis. Well, Mikey, appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Look forward to you being in the studio whenever that may be next time. Uh, before we let you go, where can we find you on Twitter and find all your work? Yeah, you follow me on Twitter, Nick Vell12. There'll be plenty of NBA chat and a lot of the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm surprised the Sixers weren't in your likes, Mikey. I was waiting for it, but no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a Christos Tyler biased <laughs> Boston Celtics fan. I like to talk about the well, the wide <laughs> variety of the league. You know, do you want to know what Chris's first like was? The Boston Celtics, Celtics. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his did second it, and third line. It, it, it didn't surprise anyone. <laughs> All right, Mikey. Appreciate you jumping on, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you very much.